Well, here we are again, another episode in the Aussie Uber podcast, and I just want to say thanks to everybody that's sent me messages recently to say, when's the next episode coming out? Because there has been a delay of a couple of months, and it's been COVID-related, as I'm sure you can all appreciate. But back on now recording, which is fantastic. To all those people that have sent those messages, thank you. Thanks for your support. I hope you enjoy the podcast. Please rate, review, and subscribe. Share it with all those people that you like. And another little update for everyone is that uh, the Instagram, it did get hacked three months ago, but we're back up. Aussie Uber, A-U-S-S-I-E-U-B-E-R. And you're not going to believe it, but I also have TikTok now with the same name. Apparently, I've got to move with the times, and that's what I'm doing. So I hope you enjoy the next podcast, some incredible passenger stories. I look forward to seeing what path we go down with this next episode. So please enjoy. Okay, a bit of driving wheels. On the first job this morning, I thought I'd just crank this up because back in the car after eight days, super excited. Radio. But the first job here is going to Brookvale. Right, we better turn this off, and it's Andrew. Radio. I've just hit from the new house too, which is pretty cool. First job out of the new house. Says we're going to arrive at 8:30. Okay, that's good. Manly, Brookvale. Wow, happy days. All right. Rightio, just waiting for Andrew. Here he comes. How are you, mate? I'm very well. Rightio, mate. It says uh, Brookvale, Andrew. That's right. All right, mate. Um, just to let you know, there's a bit of hand sanitizer in the back. Mm-hmm. And the uh, microphone in the middle here is me recording for my uh, podcast. So I hope you don't mind right. if I leave it on. <laughs> Not at all. All right, just uh, get out of this traffic. We'll be on our way. Says we should be there at 8.30. What's uh, what's happening this morning? It's my ETA, so that works in perfectly. Rightio. Oh, let's swing it back here. So you're actually my first job out of the new address. I've been moving house okay. the last few days. Right. And it's a pain in the ass, but I'm so glad to get back in the car. But anyway, what's happening over in Brookvale? Brookvale, we're doing a shoot, a video shoot for a marketing research company. Okay, nice. And, um, yeah, just using a new videographer for the first time, new client, so it's uh, bright and shiny. Oh, beautiful, awesome. And how long are you here for in Sydney? Uh, another three weeks. I'm, uh, I'm a COVID refugee. We, we left Melbourne on about the 27th, 28th of June and for a um, 12th day holiday, and I think we're into our third month. Oh, God. <laughs> so you've left and then you've uh, been stranded? Well, yeah, it's uh, yeah deliberately stranded. Yeah, right. <laughs> okay. Yeah, the, the the purpose being that you know lockdowns being so um, pervasive and so uh, restrictive, we just thought, well, what's the point of going back? Can't do anything. Can't go out. Had the curfew going, so we pretty much had a normal life in Marimbula in uh, the deep south coast. So yeah, it was um, we dodged a bullet. What was the lockdown uh, bullet? Yeah, I can imagine. What was the highlight of Marimbula, though? I've not been there before, but I've heard it's quite nice. It's amazing. It's uh, there's nothing quite like that part of the world. It's uh, very remote, sort of beaches and very rugged coastline, but with beautiful sort of aquamarine. It's it's called the Sapphire Coast for good reason. Wow. I did some work for uh, Sapphire Coast Tourism there, 
for the Bendigo Bank, which is a um, which is a community bank. So we did some did some material for them, which supported their uh, the local uh, kids soccer team and and uh, a Go Fence Me project, which is about rebuilding all the fences there that have been, uh, been destroyed in the fire. So that's an initiative that's been sponsored by Bendigo Bank. So it's all, I sound like an ad now. Well, we'll, have to, it's okay. we'll, have, to give, we'll have, to, have to give them a shout out. Yeah. Wow. It was quite uh, draconian when we first got here. We had we had to prove evidence that we'd been here for a certain amount of time. And so we had to show them invoices of accommodation. And unfortunately, we stayed at a friend's Airbnb, which wasn't ticketed. So we... Um, so we had a sort of nine days we had to try and make up that we, we had no proof that we were here and surely you'd have receipts on credit cards of, of shopping one, well, and that sort of stuff one solitary receipt from a fruit market <laughs> but that goes across the line at the most important of all places a pub yeah, exactly so. exactly yeah, we're, at the pub. we're at the pub every night so <laughs> I can just imagine uh, mate you said you're from Melbourne did you grow up in Melbourne uh, no um, I was born in Scotland a lot of came out on the 10 pound uh, ticket and that came out to and moved directly into uh, Boyle on the Arsehole of the Earth by the name of Elizabeth. Well, my, oh, my, my, I'm from Salisbury, so I grew up in Salisbury, which is oh, about... Oh, there you go. Oh, wow, I know Salisbury well. As the crow flies, it might be, you know, five k, three k's. It wouldn't yeah, be far go. at all. Yeah, I know Salisbury, absolutely. That was a that was on the fringes of Elizabeth, wasn't it? it yeah. Was, yep, yeah, that's right. Wow. Yeah. So wh- when, did you, when did you arrive in Australia then? Uh, 63. Okay. Hmm. And what did you do? So you went to school in. Uh, we, we it was it was an interesting uh, arrival. We went to we went to Fremantle, and what they do is they just open up a book and they go, "No, there's no work for here in Fremantle. You have to go to Adelaide." So we went to Adelaide, and the same again. On, on to Melbourne, same again. So then we end up getting uh, put onto a, a train in Melbourne and trained back to Adelaide because suddenly a, a job did come up. or jobs did come up. So what was the, who was the job for? Uh, General Motors Holden. For you. No, no. Okay, I, I, I was going to say you. I, I would have been child labourer with was, me. Yeah, was, so is this for your six, for this for your dad? dad yeah. Okay, right. Okay. So where did you say Holden? Holden, yeah. Oh, yeah. Right. Yeah, that was okay. their. That yeah. was their, I think their engine plant was here or here in Melbourne, down in Melbourne, and uh, their uh, their assembly plant for all of the sort of chassis and coach work was all in um, in Elizabeth. Wow. Oh God, yeah, yeah, it was huge. But now it's uh, long gone. Yeah, absolutely. Wow. Yeah, okay. and it was, we just they, were, they imported all the people out to be to be industrial sort of factory fodder because they didn't have anyone to drive it, and it was all this population parish. So it was how to get people into the country and uh, get all of the, the wheels of industry grinding along, and, yeah, and we were part of that. So what was your highlight of growing up in Elizabeth? Because I don't have very many of growing up in Salisbury. <laughs> I can tell you. Oh, yeah, it's a deep dive. I can tell it's you. It's a tough place. Yeah. Um, so okay, what was the difference from Scotland? So when you when you left Scotland. What was that like? What what, what was the, the landscape like? Because I know what the landscape is like in yeah. Elizabeth. Look, that's probably the most resounding difference because what happens, you come from these green, verdant, mossy, wet, burns, streams, rivers, uh, pine forest to... Oh, just, just like just like Elizabeth. Dry as a chip. Nothing going. <laughs> no, we, we, I couldn't figure out why the, why, where the waterways were. Uh, <laughs> I, I would have wanted to know where the... Um, where the you know, I just had no idea. It was just dry as a chip. And I think, I think my... First or second day that I was in the um, in the hostel, because uh, we went into like a migrant hostel. I, you know, you imagine what it was like as a as a five year old kid to see a, a huge bearded dragon lizard, and I just was obsessed and chased it down and ended up catching. I don't know how I was up a tree and there's this picture of me 
holding it and the thing's nearly as tall as I am. <laughs> so you can imagine what that was like because you just I think you have tiny little lizards in Scotland, if, if any, I think. So that was my that was my first memory of being Is that right? Yeah. So and, and, and just I couldn't get over how and you know, Smithfield is where the hostel was and that's 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 kinda of on the opposite side of Salisbury to Elizabeth. And it was it was yeah, it was incredibly dry. And I think we were there in high summer so so, oh, you know, we're 35, 38, yeah, exactly. 40 degrees. From from a place that's, I think Perth's top temperature of all time is like 30, <laughs> and and that would have been that would have had the Scots dying on their feet. That would have been that would have been brutal for them. So what was it like actually growing up for you then at the age of five when you arrived at five? What was it like when you had that transition from cold to hot? Do you know I, I don't remember much of that. I remember being, I remember it being hot, but I just think I think as kids you just you're very adaptive. Where did you go to school then? We started going to school in Elizabeth West. <laughs> And uh, yeah, that was. Wow. I think I was there till about nine, then moved to the north and went to Broadmeadows Primary. Oh, so you've gone up a up a level. Yeah. I think the north is supposedly better, but I don't think either of them. Had, we were very low socioeconomic, so I don't think there was much of a blip on the economic radar when we moved from one to the other. Nothing happened. What was school life like? School life was. Uh, sorry, did you have siblings? I did. Okay. I did yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, 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 two brothers, three sisters. Oh God, so just a couple then. Uh, younger sister would only just been born. She was born here in Australia, so um, and she's six years younger. So she was born a year after we got into Australia, which would have been Elizabeth. But yeah, so look, school was. Uh, I had to protect my, my older brother a lot because uh, you know he's a, he was a little unusual, not just just an unusual guy. And you know how they were victimised in school. So yeah. I spent a lot of time uh, getting hidings. Um, giving hidings uh, and it was always unfortunate because he was a year older than me with a bigger boy <laughs> yeah right and I was a little kid so it was pretty it was r- r- few and far between where someone gave him a hard time and I thought oh this is going to be easy so my, 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 my thinking was it was pretty rough in Elizabeth my thinking was that um, if I taught him a lesson they, would, they wouldn't touch him again and, and by and large it worked but a lot of times uh, yeah it didn't work so well for me all the way up until year 11 I was a skinny kid and got picked on by all the kids. You know, there were some, some obviously a lot bigger kids in there and they used to pick on me because academically I was fairly strong. Um, physically I probably wasn't. But then in between year 11 and 12, my body just changed where I came, became very broad-shouldered, mm. uh, a lot stronger in the upper body. And the yeah. first day of year 12, I remember going up to one of the guys that I used to uh, be picked on all the time, mm. went up to him and I just hit him in the nose and broke his nose um, the principal came over and said, look, you know, what the hell's going on? The reason is my dad, in that holiday, he said, look, you need to learn how to fight. Because I'd come home with black eyes and mm-hmm. bruises, I'd be chased home. So his way of teaching me how to fight, he stood me there and he whacked me in the stomach. Just like, literally, just a full fist into the stomach, which doubled me over. And they said, you need to protect yourself. And I had no idea how to protect myself. Well, you wouldn't. Yeah. By the end of that summer, though, I knew how to protect myself. Mm-hmm. And luckily, touch wood, from that day on... You know, I had some little you know, scrapes in, in pubs and, and on the football field and what have you. But from that day on, never got picked on again and never lost a fight. But um, it was a, a rude awakening because the school life there, they were brutal. They actually were oh, brutal. Yeah. So I left in what was called grade seven. Which yeah. is, uh, and so that, that's the year before you go into secondary school. And so, yeah, I, I think I spent a little bit of time in secondary school in Wyala, which is an even worse than Elizabeth. And that was dangerous. That was that was kind of knives at school and a bit like you know, like I was in the Bronx. But, um, but so that was why did you, why did you go to Wyala? Followed my dad. We, right. Unfortunately, we were we were very we were very we were struggled. My um, my mother ran away with uh, of all people ran away with Jimmy Barnes's dad. 
Sorry? He, he, yeah, he, they, they uh, eloped. Jimmy Barnes's dad was having has having trouble, which has now been well documented in Jimmy's uh, series of documentaries. And it was he was, um, yeah, he did a runner with mum. They went off to fruit picking into the in Wakery and all these areas around the Murray and. Uh, yeah, so that was uh, that threw the family into turmoil. And father, my dad was working in a in a in Wyala, which is about four hours, five hours away from Elizabeth, and so they had no one to look after us. So we unfortunately went into uh, into care, into uh, into a children's home for um, for I think it was nearly three years. That is unbelievable. I mean, literally before you got in the car, um, I was just saying to myself, the first job of the, uh, the in the new house, which is obviously it's a great job this morning going across to to Brookvale, but I had. Um, Jimmy Barnes and driving wheels, and I'll just see if I can put it oh, on. Really? <laughs> like, oh, they're like, seriously. There you go. On cue. Yeah, that's oh, the that voice I know so well. That is so bizarre. Um, okay, so now, now we get to the good stuff. And I'm not <laughs> saying that the stuff you just said wasn't good because it was. Um, I can imagine it must have been tough growing up in uh, in South Australia. It certainly was for me. Um, just to go back though, this because this this is interesting. The, you said, where did you go into care? Uh, uh, it was 1969. I remember it vividly. Yeah. And where was that? It was a place called Morialta Children's Home, and they uh, up in the hills. Yeah, it's a Protestant children's home, and 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 I think for a very nominal fee, my father would. I think it was something ridiculous, like twenty dollars uh, a week um, for the whole family. But to put things in perspective, um, I think my dad's salary was probably fifty dollars a week. Oh God! So, um, but what did that twenty dollars seems give? like nothing? Oh, what that did is it fed you, clothed you, schooled you, and uh, you know we were in a bad way prior to that. So we suddenly, you know, had shoes on our feet, and it was it was almost like we were, uh, you know, echoing the, the the poverty of early Glasgow where my mum came from. And uh, yeah, it wasn't good. It wasn't good. But then we went on our own. There was a lot of kids that were like that. There was a lot of lot of poverty in those areas because if you weren't doing a good job of looking after your money, and unfortunately my dad was a chronic um, mug gambler, you were in a bit of strife. Was it just for families, or was it for um, boys, or was it was it who was it for? Well, how how it worked was if you you went to the top home they called it, which is up in Norton Summit, and uh, that's a sort of hill suburb, yeah, yeah. A hill yeah. area. Um, you'd know, of course. So so what you would do is you would go up there as a boy until you got to secondary school and the women the girls stayed there later past secondary school and I think the whole idea was they didn't want to have secondary school boys with you know both their gonads screaming me first yeah and uh, the, <laughs> and the girls the girls um uh, together in case there was any hanky panky. So then they sent us down to a place called Turek Gardens down in yeah. uh, a real an affluent suburb in in Adelaide. And that's uh, you know went to Glenunga High and that was all. Um, and I was there for I think the end of second form. Then I then I dad decided that it was too expensive to keep us in the home. And I think they upped it to twenty five dollars a week. Wow. Uh, and so we ended that's up still going half back. a week's salary though. It wasn't is. It? it was. Yeah. But you know like. I guess that's how much it costs to raise a kid, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah, kids. I mean, yeah, kids. I mean, I, in, I went to in six of them. Yeah, five of them. Sorry, my my oldest just went back to Scotland. That is mad. Um, I went to I went to a number of boys' homes when I was six years old, five and six years old. Mm. Um, and they were terrible places. Like just because you used to live, it, you, like, it was like the old army cots. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. You know, there weren't beds per se. It was just like. Because back then they had like you know 20, 30 boys. Because yeah. my brother and I were both there. My brother was younger than me. But there were twenty or thirty boys just all cooped up in this bed. It was just, just shit. Actually, it wasn't. It, it, this wasn't too bad because it was. It was an old. It was a big mansion up in the hills, and it was, 
if you look at it from the front, you can see the original house, and it's uh, still it's still standing. And and what they did is they basically built this series of dorms on the back, so it had good bones, and so it wasn't it wasn't sort of uncomfortable. Yeah, no, it was it was it was pretty good. I have I have actually quite fond memories of the home, and the Norton Summit School is magnificent. It was one of those schools that was so small that you had you know th three classes in in you know three grades in one class. You know it was that kind of thing. So it was very great teachers and so I have pretty positive memories of that wow um, unfortunately when we moved down to the lower home it was uh, that was being run by a ferocious um, uh, cruel uh, Salvation Army captain um, that's not a go at the Salvation Army he was just a bad apple and uh, yeah he finally got caught stealing which was you know, very Christian of him <laughs> stealing, stealing from kids in, in care and um, and got ousted, but he was violent. You know, he would beat me, and, and yeah, he would beat my brother up. He would beat me up, and he would be—he was yeah, a terrible, terrible man. It was a horrible, I don't know, probably nine or ten months that he was there. Oh, but, a, well, I didn't realize it was that long. No, wow. well, he was there. He was there for that long, but but when he left, it was, you know, I think the, the celebrations went for about three months. Wow. Um, okay, so just so that okay, that's that's obviously quite sad. Your mum and. Jimmy Barnes's dad. Yeah. How, so how did that? Yeah, so how drinking did that, buddies. How did that happen? They both loved to drink, and so they would they would invariably head off and see each other at the pub. And, and dad was away all the time, and I guess my mum was lonely. And I think Jim was experiencing trouble with with uh, possibly self inflicted. In fact, it almost certainly was <laughs> um, with uh, you know with his um, uh, with his family and, and his wife uh, Dorothy and. Um, and I remember um, what had happened. Uh, they'd actually they'd actually met through me because um, Jimmy lived next door to a friend of mine, Philip Lewis. If you're out there, Philip. Uh, and um, so where was this? Where about this? This, is, this was in. They were. They lived in Elizabeth West. Okay. Yeah. So there were, I think he was. I'm pretty sure he was next door, a couple of doors down. And uh, it was. It was really interesting for me. I think. You know, in those terms, but I, but it's interesting when I look back because I was obsessed with one thing, which was just hiking into the hills, catching lizards, going and trying to discover waterways, yeah. trying to get into the natural world and those, wa those waterways. Yeah, Elizabeth didn't have. Elizabeth, so I did a lot of searching. There are a lot of sewers, and yeah, and but he was he was obsessed with music then, like you know, as a and as a as a as an eleven year old, twelve year old, that, that's unusual. Um, but he was really obsessed with music, and uh, and partly because his brother John Swan, and who is his who is his blood brother, but it took, they both took the different names of their, their new fathers. Um, and uh, so what happened? What happened was that he just followed in his footsteps. And John was quite accomplished, very a beautiful voice, great uh, great showman. And um, even back in those days, and he would only have been he's only a couple of years older than me. Um, he was doing uh, jingles for radio. He was doing a lot of gigs, and I think it was just a natural progression for uh, Jimmy to follow in his footsteps. So, did you live with Jimmy? No, I lived with John. John. Jimmy went one way. He, he and John came in and lived with us. So John was uh, John was there for a short time. I'll never forget one of the one of the things that really stuck out was he was very because he had to do all these gigs. And he had kind of he had almost like an afro for the time, and um, he couldn't he couldn't find a suitable comb for it. So I'll never forget there's this image of him doing his hair with a fork <laughs> in the kitchen. <laughs> oh, I quite like that. And effectively, I yeah, quite like that. Um, so how old was he when you said he was there for a short time, John was? Um, how, how, 
how long was John with you guys? Uh, to what age was, did I he? I think it was only nine months. I can't remember how much. I think he's three or four years older. Jimmy's about the same age as, as young Jim is the same age as, as me, you know, within within months, I yeah. think. Yeah. Um, did you knock around with Jimmy? A little bit. A little bit. Not a lot. Just uh, just just because he was the next door. And another thing that really stuck in my mind was we're all ready to... Um, we're all ready to go somewhere. And I was trying to convince him that he, you know, you, you've got to come and look for lizards. I found this new place. It's amazing. And uh, he just bought uh, the Beatles' Magical Mystery Tour, and and he was he was playing it on a little um, little record player, and was just like, listen to this, listen. He was so obsessed with the so went really, and and, and I was like, yeah, that's great. Let's go lizard hunting. Um, and uh, yeah, I think you know we were we were worlds apart in terms of what. Uh, what turned us on as kids, and so clearly that's uh, worked out well for him. Yeah. So when did, he, did were you around when they formed Cold Chisel? No, no. I was uh, I was at that stage when he started getting big. You know, he was still in contact with his dad, and um, so what would happen is we would uh, get back in the early days, like the late seventies. We would go to a few of his gigs. We would, you know, especially when it came to Melbourne, of course. Have you ever, obviously you've been to see the gigs? Yeah, I think the last one I went to see was one of the big reunions, and they were they were just quite amazing. I mean, did you that, did you speak to him then? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. No, he he organised the tickets and uh, was always was all. It happened to me a couple of times that you know you'd always say, "Oh, just go to the back door and let them know who you are." And so, and what do you say? You walk up there, and say, "I'm oh, yeah, Jimmy's half-brother's stepbrother," and they'd go, "Yeah, yeah, sure, good." Yeah, one. that old chestnut. And I and I had to just try and do my most convincing act and go, "No, no, really, no. This sounds ridiculous." And he told me this would happen, but you know, anyway, you, you, <laughs> invariably they'd think, "Well, he's being insistent, so may, maybe it is." And then Jim would walk up and, we'd, and it'd all be good. But but it was, uh, you know, we. we we didn't push the push the favors too much because I know what it's like, and um, and whilst we I, I know what it's like when you're being harassed as a rock star. <laughs> yeah, no, I get it. Um, you did say you're into lizards more than we, you were music. Yeah, that's so. right. That's right. Yeah. Wow. Um, um, my, my my backyard at home was like a menagerie of different different tortoises and and lizards and, st- and stumpy tails, and it was just covered. Mum would be. Every now and again, she'd be hanging in the washing and you'd hear a scream. <laughs> Some Sydney lizard had come out from it. So oh, I love that. Um, the the music part of it. Did, obviously, you, I get I get the fact you're into lizards and what have you though. Um, when, when did they become big? When did they know they were big? Do you know that? Um, because I love cultures. I've, I grew up. Um, one of our our football club presidents of Poultney hmm. owned uh, a number of venues in uh, in Adelaide. One was called the Venue in Hindley Street. Mm-hmm. He owned the Rocks, uh, the Curry Street Tavern. Uh, he had the Belair Hotel for a little while. But we, I mean, I've seen Jimmy Barnes. Jimmy Barnes, I'm almost certain, turned up at the Venue one evening. Yeah. Um, because he knew Stephen Moy, who was very well renowned in the uh, Adelaide nightclub scene, and just. You know, just decided to play a few songs on the on the on the stage mm. at the venue. It was just they used to play locally all the time. Yeah. But then they got huge. Yeah, after after their self titled album, they that's when they went stratospheric. And uh, and I think at, at one stage, and I can't remember what year it was that Bon Scott died. They obviously they've sat back and thought, well, God, we need a we need a singer. We need a singer who who who's, who has the energy that Bon had. And he was a logical choice. My understanding was that that they called him up and said, "Listen, you know, we're here in England. I really think we're making some breakthroughs." <laughs> and but unfortunately for for them, and maybe unfortunately for Jim in the long run, that Colchester was Australia's biggest band. And my, my belief is they were is is they're pulling down five thousand dollars a gig. And this is in a time when when salaries um, were about. 
$9,500 a week. Wow. So well, that's, you know, that's split between four and roadies and all the sort of people who... But that, but that was big, and, and you're probably playing four or five gigs a week. And Jimmy, if you're listening to this, I hope I'm not discussing your financial matters with strangers, but I'm pretty sure that's how much they were getting. Uh, I think after all these years, it might be uh, might water, off, water off a duck's back by now. Yeah. And, and so he, he turned it down, but... Um, the rest is history, I guess. At five thousand a gig, and they're doing four or five gigs. Yeah, um, that's some decent coin. Absolutely. I'm yeah. sure. I'm, yeah. I'm sure it was all dutifully invested uh, back oh, into I, property. I think, and, yeah, yeah. I, I think. I think. I think Jim, you know, had he bought that big property in Barrel, and that was a bit, a bit later. But you know, I think he. Um, I think he must have. He must have uh, got some of it away because uh, <laughs> <laughs> he's done okay. Yeah. But those, those back in those times, I'm sure it's a little bit different now. But maybe not as different. But um, they certainly partied hard. Oh yeah, yeah. Jim, Jim was. Uh, you know, you wouldn't recognise Jim without a bottle of whiskey, and that wasn't that wasn't him. That wasn't him doing a Dean Martin with tea, trying to look like he was a, like smashing it back. That was whiskey. I mean, that was vodka he was drinking on stage. So did, did, did his voice, though, it's, I mean, it, you mentioned Jimmy Barnes, you know his voice. Yeah. It's just that raspy. Yeah. Um, and I've been known, I have been known to be at karaoke and sing Flame <laughs> Trees very, very well. Yeah. Um, you but, do better than I would. Well, um, I don't know. I mean, you're, you're, you're a relative, so maybe you've got that inside knowledge. But uh, did the alcohol not hurt his voice? No, he, well, he, he found out later on in life that he was actually singing from false vocal cords. So it was uh, it was not singing to the full depth of his, and uh, that was probably part of the characteristic sound. That's that's how he got that sound. So I would have thought that it would, but you know it clearly contributed to the the overall sound. Oh my! So what? Okay, final couple of questions because we're not far away. Yep. Which is, I mean, I've loved this because I'm a Jimmy. Barnes, Cole Chisel, fanatic. You struck pay dirt here. I have struck pay dirt. The only thing I need is a couple of questions, and there'll be one that you'll know is going to come shortly. Um, your favourite Cole Chisel song? Oh, that's a good one. Look, I, I, I'm going to be really predictable, and I have to say K Sam. Yeah, it's a cracker, isn't it? Yeah. I actually good. don't know all the words to it, but I sing it every time, and I'm sure some of the words I throw in there aren't the right ones. Up until just recently, I, I found out it was the last plane. I always thought it was the last train out of Sydney. But it's the last plane. No, I did know it was the last plane, but there's some other stuff in there that I just don't. I'm gonna to have to go to the. I'm gonna to have to look up the lyrics, just to get the get that part right. Um, Interesting backstory there. He. Um, oh, God, he uh, it was, it was actually the the content for the song um, that Don when was was from a series of letters back from Vietnam, and uh, and he felt very protective of the that information and never wanted to really. Uh, uh, build it into a song and so it was only through through sort of the guys wanting to do it that it came out and it's you know probably has to be their signature song in terms of, um, of where you would go but it was yeah it started as a series of letters between I think uh, probably a, a, a you know someone who served and uh, and his partner back in in, in Sydney oh, that's incredible um, the second question and uh, it'll be my last one because we are just about here mm-hmm. uh, I mean, I, I do a celebrity chat where on my podcast, yeah. Um, and this has been one of the first trips I've actually not spoken about my podcast because I just—I mean, we just got into it, which is awesome. Um, how do I get Jimmy Barnes in the car, or, or <laughs> how do I get or Jimmy Barnes or John Swan? How do I get either one of those into the car? Now that you're related, you're a blood relative. Oh no, I'm not blood. Well, I'm, come I'm, on, I'm, let's I'm, just <laughs> can, can you can you be a blood? You got free tickets. You're a blood relative. Um, okay, on, 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 a, on a how do we, how do we get 
Jimmy Barnes in a car. That would be my absolute lifelong. I don't know. I, I actually think I'd, I. I actually don't think I'd be able to speak. I'd have to go through my family connections. I'd have to. I'd have to harass John because <laughs> uh, the last time I saw Jim was at uh, was a you know, sad day at his, his, his father, my, my stepfather, and his father's real father's funeral. I was out in the back of Geelong, and um, and so I haven't had contact since then. Um, but uh, that's not to say. Um, can't get it happening. Yeah, well, look, I, I mean, again, I, I, mean I, I appreciate anything you can do, um, but uh, again, I don't want to pressure you, but that'd be amazing. So, well, well, uh, mate, we'll that's sowing the seeds. Yeah, thank you, mate. That's awesome. I'll, I'll, I'll get your details when we pull up shortly. But, mate, Andrew, that's been an awesome chat, mate. I really have Pleasure. appreciated it. Uh, we're just it's pulling up here. It certainly ate up the trip. It did actually, <laughs> and we, we're we're probably five minutes ahead of schedule. So, mm. uh, mate, that's been phenom- phenomenal, and I really appreciate your time. Pleasure, mate. Have a great day, champion. You too. Well, that was Andrew. And what an awesome chat that was. And he's... Oh, my God, I can't believe it. He's like... Oh, I don't even know what the link was again. He was stepbrother. Where they had the same uh, stepfather. Jimmy's father and became Andrew's stepdad. Awesome. Oh, my God. Literally made, literally made my day. That'd be amazing. Imagine Jimmy Barnes in the car. All the lads in Adelaide. They would be so jealous. Anyway, let's go. Let's see what the day's got in store. Oh no, next job of the morning on a very cold and overcast day. Just on my way to pick up Tom. 20 minute trip. How are you, Tom? Hey, Larry, how are you? All right, thanks, champion. Just going to King Street. Yeah, man. Oh, yeah, mate. Let's just see how we can negotiate this little turn. Mate, there's a bit of hand sanitizer in the back there for you. And the microphone in the middle is me recording for my podcast. Oh, yeah? So I, I hope you don't mind. No, you're right. Come on, man. And what are you up to today? Going into work, eh? Hey? What do you do for work, boss? Uh, I'm a chef. Yep. Just running a little restaurant in uh, King Street. What sort of food do they cook? Uh, Italian. We oh, kind right. of supply the other three restaurants that we've got. Yeah, nice one. How long have you been a, a cook or a chef for? 14 years. Do you like it? Oh yeah, you'd have to be pretty crazy to be doing it for the hours of the money. Oh really? Yeah. What made you get into it then? Uh, I got kicked out of school when I was 14. <laughs> is that right? What was that? What did you do wrong? I was pretty naughty. <laughs> what do you mean pretty naughty? Uh, I was really good at school. I had good marks, but um, I had a rough day. And What did you do? I threw someone down a flight of stairs and whooped his ass at boarding school. I had my, yeah, it's a long story. My parents got a divorce and dropped me. They drove 10 hours to tell me I was at boarding school. Sorry, they drove 10 hours to tell you they were getting a divorce? Yeah, yeah. And then I I walked back to the boarding house and then someone gave me shit about my mum, so I was a little irrational. That was my fault. Did the school not did, did the school not say, mate, look, we know it's been a tough day for you, let's give you a bit of a break? Uh, no, they were gunning for me pretty hard. I was, a, I was on a scholarship. Like, I, like I, I loved school, but I didn't really... What was, the, sco- what was the scholarship for? A uh, sporting scholarship. But I, I just played rugby so I could get to a good school. Yeah, right, Because well. I was from a pretty pretty poor area way down on the coast. This, you're talking about New Zealand? Yeah. Whereabouts in New Zealand? South Westland, on the west coast of the South Island. And did you have, did you have siblings? Yeah. And did they take it as hard as you did? Oh, my little... I had a little sister, so she kind of didn't really... Really understand. understand. I kind of just—that was my whole role was to look after her. So what happened, mate? When they when they separated, did you 
did you go to mum or did you go to dad or what was the, the what was because I've got two kids that yeah um, I separated four years ago yeah and made it's life it, this shit happens yeah 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 oh man but like my, my parents are better off for sure they've got two far more appropriate partners now than they've had them for years <laughs> well, you know what I mean they're just people mate I'm not lucky in that regard but yeah um, yeah my ex is, is doing okay uh, you know she's met someone else happy days for her yeah um, but my kids were five and nine at the time yeah and it's, it's the normal thing at the moment you know people are separating so quick yeah but I would assume when you're a bit younger like you're saying um, did you go and stay with mum did you go and stay with dad what was the situation oh this is where the plot thickens well, <laughs> um, mate, let's get involved I I got expelled from boarding school but I had good marks so they let me stay as a day student my dad left my mum the house and everything yep but they didn't go to court it was pretty pretty mutual and he got a house right next to the school, so I went and lived there for a while. Yeah. But uh, then I got caught smoking weed. <laughs> Turns out my new next door neighbour was the assistant principal, which I didn't know at the time. <laughs> Sorry, I can't, I, can't, I, can't, I can't help but laugh. Oh man, it's hilarious. Yeah, and um, yeah, we were, I was on a free period. No, actually, I was off that day. It was a Wednesday. So I finished at lunchtime. I had the rest of the day off, and there was a bunch of people at my house. And the old man's not there, though. No, no, he was working pretty hard. Uh, like, he wasn't at home much at that time. Taking jobs all over New Zealand to try and pay for everything. Yeah, and I get it. And, um, so you've decided to chill out with the lads? Yep, and a few lasses. About 20 of us. <laughs> smoking bucket bongs in the uh, bathroom. As you do. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, yeah, then the principal and my old housemaster, who did not like me very much, just came walking down the driveway. And I just got, I got a trespass notice from school, just told not to come back. Well, so how, hang on, why do you get a trespass notice if you're not at school? They didn't want me back on school property. Oh, so they're just throwing you that? Yeah. So, okay, so what happens then? You, you At that point then, the old man comes home? Yep. What does he say? That I owe him $85 rent, and it's due on Thursday. So I, I started, I, I figured I'd have like six months off, you know work out what I wanted to do with my life as a 14 year old. What did you do in that six months? I was working the next day at five in the morning at a sawmill. Oh, that's, that yeah. At least you got off your ass and did something. Yeah, I, th- I had my first holiday maybe like seven years ago. Is that right, man? Yeah, I worked every day almost since. So uh, the sawmill does six months, then how did you get into being a chef? What was the opportunity there? I had 16 and I did a bit of kitchen handing, like pot washing and that, and I just loved it. Eh? Is that right? Yeah, I was, I was so fortunate to have just found the way my career. Mate, there be some people out there that would say, um, that was the best thing that ever happened. You know, a pot washer wasn't wasn't my dream result, but mate, you've gone head first into it. Uh, oh, you man, loved it. I just couldn't believe that you know, I was getting paid to hang out with these pirates. It was crazy. These pirates? Mate. They were like 23, 24 years old, these chefs, but like, you know, full-blown adults compared to me. 100%, man. You're 16. Yeah. And uh, at 17, I finished my first qualification. Well done. I, I left home when I was 15. I had a flat. Who did you live with? Uh, one of my good mates who was a baker and another baker from his work. Was that tough, though, living home at 15? No. It was awesome. Did it make you resilient? I've always been pretty resilient. Yeah, right. I, I guess with the separation of mum and dad. I've um, always been, like... I mean, I like we grew up down near the bush, so like I was out hunting and camping since... It's like a lever. Oh, that is awesome. That is awesome. Um, I didn't even think about it. I didn't think it was hard. Did you? You said that you moved in with the old man so you could go to school. Did you still see mum? She stayed down on the coast. Okay. I did. Not 
not often, but like we we're free to go and do it as we please. Yeah, okay. Yeah. How'd you come to be in Australia? Uh, 19. Moved over with three of my mates. There's about 30 of us from Nelson. We've got in a lot of trouble in our little hometown. What did you do, mate? It's gonna sound weird. But there was like a lot of gang stuff going on. Were you, you, you were involved in that? No, actually, we, we kind of like, we just got sick of being bullied by a bunch of different sort of groups of people and we kind of, we were all skateboarders and stuff. Yeah. And then we just, like one day, two of my really good friends, two brothers got like almost killed, bashed, like lips gone and like beaten real hard. And we just, we met up with his mum and we drove around that night and we smashed everyone. And we, oh, that's, we that's... ruled our town for maybe a decade. Is that right? Yeah. Mate, I guess in... And then shit got like, it just stopped being like fights and stuff. It started getting pretty serious. Like so, mate, for 10 years, you reckon that wasn't serious? Well, we didn't think it was, but then people started getting shot and stuff like that, and then it was just getting pretty serious. Like, guys that were just normal guys started getting involved in, like, proper gangs. What's the stupidest thing you did as part of that gang? It wasn't a gang. It was a group of friends. Okay, so you, you bunch they of were, mates. They what, were gangs. Well, you look back and you say to yourself, fuck me, why did I do that? <laughs> so much shit. Uh, lit a few houses on fire. Yeah, okay, that'll, um, that'll do it. There was some pretty serious shit. Like, I had a bunch of guys turn up to my house with machetes at my dad's house one day. Um, Did you ever get in trouble with the law? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, to this day, I still have a little date with customs every time I get back into I got caught with some guns. Um, what do you mean you got caught with guns, mate? Yeah. I was, uh, it was the day after my 18th birthday, too, so... I'd already been arrested a bunch of times for, like, dumb shit. Not... Oh, like carrying guns? Lighting yeah. houses on fire? Yeah, yeah. No, <laughs> I never got caught. I tell you, I got caught for 1% of the stuff I did. When yeah, I might. It's, it's always the way. It's always the way. Do you look back on it now, though? We have a bit of a giggle now, but do you look back on it and think, bloody, I was lucky. I was lucky yeah, I didn't end right. up on the wrong I side mean, of... I, that's why I've got to push myself as hard as I do now for all the... Like, my best friend got shot and killed. Wow. When I was 20. My other best friend got strangled to death in Cairns. He's, he died. Um... There's a lot of bodies in the street for every, you know, for every one of us that did well out of our group of 30. How many do you reckon are left? 10, maybe. Is that right, man? Wow. Yeah, a lot of, so lot of guys, like, meth got massive at that did age. Did you group. ever get involved in drugs? Yeah. Apart, I mean, oh, you, no. you talked about the weed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I never, I was never really an addict of anything, but I did you pretty partied? much everything. Wow. So where are you at? Where, where, where's, where's, where's your life right now, mate? Because you seem like you're pretty switched on. You're still, yeah, you're still right. pretty young. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to turn 35 in a few months. There you go, man. What's the future look like for you? Pretty good, eh? Like, I've, I've been cooking hard at a lot of really good restaurants around awesome, Sydney. Man. Awesome, For all the right chefs, I've just switched over to a, a good group of guys who are doing really well, you know, got a lot of good, positive publicity. I'm the sous chef in there, so, you know, I'm sort of part of senior management. Well done, man. Well done. And it's more like bigger picture stuff now, you know, like, where we'll be in five years. And so, where, okay, where, where, where does Tom see himself in five years? Hopefully a stay-at-home father, eh? <laughs> have, you got, have you got a family? No, I've, I've had a missus for about eight years now. Okay. Uh, what does she do? And you reckon the stuff... I mean, I, was, I did a stay-at-home dad thing for four years. Mate, yeah. it was next level. Yeah. It's incredible, man. Absolutely yeah. incredible. Uh, how many kids do you reckon you'll have? Probably not too many. Hopefully one or two. Rightio, here's the situation. What does Tom say to his 10-year-old son or daughter in 10 years' time? What do you say to your kid to say, look, you know, don't do this because you, you might 
Well, I can give them prime examples of why you shouldn't do things. I'm not going to tell anyone not to do anything. I'm just going to tell them what their potential consequences are and there teach them how to be critical thinking, you know? Not, nice response, Just, man. Just advise. Like, my father was like that. He didn't really tell me not to do things. He just sort of explained how things could go wrong, and they did every single time. I've always been, like, real straight up with my father. Like, I always told him all the stuff I've, I've done, and... Yeah. He's always just said, well, if you do that, this is going to happen. I'm like, ah, fuck off. And then sure enough, it would happen. So I started listening to him pretty early. (laughs) (laughs) After like a good five or six examples of where and how things can go wrong. Are any of the ten that are with you still, ten of those lads, are any of them wrong side of the tracks? No, mate, they're all smashing it. Is that right, man? Yeah, some of the boys are like a bit bit dodgy, but they're successful at what they do. Like you certainly wouldn't want to fucking aggravate them. But, I, got, I got some dodgy mates too, but um, we're just creatures of um, our products of our environment. You know what I mean? No one's got a bad bone in their body. It's just after like, we didn't have anyone around us when we were younger. Really, my dad had to work. My dad went from like quarter of a million dollars a year to ten dollars twenty an hour. Yeah, I mean, I never even thought what I went through was hard. It turned out I was um, at hospital. I did a questionnaire one day while my mate was in there. And uh, the lady asked if I was in the army. It's like, nah, what's that? She's like, well, you know, you probably want to go see a counsellor. And it looks like you've got mild PTSD. Did you, have you ever been to see a counsellor? No, nah, I'm cool. You know, like, I don't... It was weird questions. It wasn't what I thought it would be. It was, like, I don't get angry. Yeah. It's more like zoning out and stuff like that. If, you, if someone crosses you now, how do you, how do you temper that? How do you say, okay, right, don't, don't go off the deep end like I did when I was younger? I've done... How do you manage a that? A good lifetime of martial arts now. Yeah, right. I don't really... I don't, like, unless someone's going to pay me money, I'm not going to fight them. Yeah, I get it. I mean, look, I, I defend myself and all that. I don't, it's not really something that happens, to be honest. Like, if someone's raging out at me, someone was screaming in my face, I'd be pretty worried because I don't... Like, someone who's that out of control of their emotions is a liability. Yeah. I would, I would just have to assess it as it was happening I okay. think I don't really I'm confident in my abilities I would know pretty quickly how, how to look after the situation yeah I'm not yeah it's not <laughs> I, you know I've seen a lot of blades and stuff like that I don't really care Sydney's a pretty safe place does that not scare you though nah not at all I'm not really I don't I've got, I've got bravado don't get me wrong I've got a lot of bravado and I always you know the outside thing that people see is someone being tough but yeah, mate, but it still scares I, the shit out of me. It used to be like that, but... Um... But, but he, here's where it'll change for you, Tom. When you have a kid of your own, you know, right now you've got your missus, happy days, and you're doing, you're doing a great job, you're kicking some goals. When you have your first kid, that's when it changes. Yeah. You know, that's when the silly, you know, the decisions about maybe, you know, arguing with someone over whatever it might be, all those things change, mate, because you've got too much to lose. Yeah, well, I won't... I, I, don't, I don't have any real reason to argue with someone. I mean, like, I'm, I'm pretty analytical. I'll listen to... Look, it could happen. But I, it's a very minute chance that yeah, something like that's going to happen to me in my life now. Well, I, I, I wish you I don't all the have, best. Violence and um, anger are two different things for me now. Totally. I totally agree. I, I totally agree. If someone's arguing with me, I, I'm pretty critical. So, like, I, I'm notorious for that at work. Like, I'll be pretty Socratic in a situation. I'll always go the opposite side and try and get proven wrong. But I will change my opinion like that. I'm not... You're not that headstrong that you won't nah, take... I don't uh, care. Like, I want to be convinced of something before yeah. I agree with it. That's a good way to go, man. Good way to go. Well, mate, I wish you all the best, champion. Cheers, bro. Nice mate. to talk to you. Yeah, thank you, mate. I've, 
appreciate you sharing. Coming for a pasta sometime, no mate. No doubt about it, my man. Mate, you got me hooks. You got me hooks. <laughs> Cheers, bro. Stay Keep safe, champion. Thank you, man. I appreciate it. Peace. Well, that was Tom. He was pretty honest. Very honest, in fact. And good story. Good luck to you, Tom. 35. Looking to build a family. He's had a few life experiences, that boy. Just don't know the people you're going to get in the car. Good start to the day. Good start to the day. Well, that's the end of another great episode of the Aussie Uber podcast. And I really am grateful for those passengers that share their stories so I can then share them with you. And I've had some fantastic feedback from people asking when the next episode is. And I'll try and keep them to a regular couple of weeks now. It has been tough with COVID, as I mentioned at the start, but that's okay. We're on our way now. And for all those people that have donated via the Patreon page, I'm truly grateful. The cost does go back. And I have to absorb it. So any any little bit does help. But that's not why I do it. The, why, the reason why I do it is so that I can share these incredible stories with you out there. Please re- rate... Ah, oh, fuck that whole thing up.